Well, guys, let's dive in to our message this morning from 1 Peter. Legend has it that the ancient art of Kintsuji began in the 15th century when Emperor Yoshimasa broke a prized Chinese bowl that was a gift to him. And we have a, a picture of some of this uh, Kintsuji art. Maybe you've seen some of it before. But the emperor was emotionally connected to this bowl and was completely distraught that he had broken it. And so he immediately packed it up and sent it back to China to be repaired. And what came back was essentially some bulky staples holding this uh, bowl back together. And that just wouldn't do for this fine piece of pottery. And so the emperor um, asked some of the craftsmen to piece back together this uh, bowl in a more aesthetically pleasing way. And soon the, the craftsmen realized that there was no way to put this bowl back together and, and truly hide its cracks. And so the craftsmen decided to melt down some gold and use it to piece this bowl back together. And the results were this gold-highlighted bowl everywhere that had been fractured. And this bowl didn't become less desirable because it was broken. It actually became more desirable because it had been fractured and been broken. It became more valuable because the artist used precious metal to put it back together. And so the art of Kintsugi was born and today, people seek out this type of pottery um, where the flaws aren't hidden, they are highlighted. The expert artist's golden touch makes this pottery both beautiful and more valuable. Carl Kuhl says that Kintsugi is what the church is supposed to be. The church is not meant to be a place where Fear and shame drive us to hide in our brokenness, but rather the church is place, place to be where God's golden grace draws attention to where he has mended us back together and made us whole. It shows that we are real, and it demonstrates the amazing grace of Jesus, and it displays the power of the church when it is at its finest. Well, today... We're going to continue our study of 1 Peter, and we're going to see how being made new in Jesus, we become his handiwork, his artwork, that his grace becomes displayed through our weakness and through our brokenness. And it's his grace, and his grace not only changes us as individuals, but it also changes our relationships with others. We love others because Jesus first loved us. Last week we saw that our response to God's grace is to get our minds ready for action. We need to adjust who we are to the truth of God's word and not the other way around. We don't need to try to adjust God's word to our truths. We need to adjust who we are to God's truth. We have been made new and so we need to start living like we are new. We have been chosen to be set apart. We have been chosen to be different. We have been chosen to be foreigners and exiles. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 21. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table. Love to give you one as a gift from us. 
you're looking for 1 Peter, it's almost at the very end of the Bible. It comes right after Hebrews and James and right before 2 Peter and 1, 2, and 3 John. Almost at the very end of the Bible if you're looking for it. We'll also have it up here on the screen. So follow along and read with me there in 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to start there in verse 22. Peter says, Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other. Let me read that again. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have, um, for you have been born again, not with perishable seed, but with imperishable through the living and enduring word of God, for all people are like grass and all their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that has been preached to you. So we start with allowing God to change who we are as individuals. We change ourselves. And as we saw last week, this is not to earn grace. This is a response to the grace that has been given to us. We begin to reflect outwardly what Jesus has already changed inwardly. We are new, and so we start living as if we are new. If you'll remember, we looked at the words of Doug Burrier who said, in this old life, we adjusted God's truths to us. We pick and choose what we want from God's word, and we take what we like, and we do away with what we don't like. That's what we did before grace. But now that we have come to God's grace through Jesus Christ, we no longer pick and choose what parts of God's word we want and what we don't want. We no longer try to adjust God's word to us, but rather we adjust who we are to God's word. With this new identity, Jesus not only changes us as individuals, but he also changes how we relate to other people, as we're going to see today. Peter says here that we have purified ourselves by being obedient to the truth of God's word so that... In order to love one another sincerely, these two things go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. If you have been changed by Jesus, then you will love others. If you have been born again by the enduring word of God, you will love others. Jesus said the world would know that we are his followers, not by our correct theology, not by our service to other people, not by the missions that we go on or the things that we do on Sunday morning. He said, no, the world would know that we are his followers by our love for each other. Notice that Peter points us here to the truth that our love for others is not based on them. We don't love others only when they deserve us to love them. Our love for others isn't based on even how we feel. Despite what our culture tells us, love is not an emotion. 
There's emotions tied with love, but love is a choice that we make. Our love for others isn't based on whether or not they have earned our love. No, our love for others is based on the enduring Word of God. Because friends, like grass that seems to grow so much right now, (laughs) but it's gone soon, right? The fall will be here before we know it and it will slow down. Like the flowers of the field, they are here today and gone tomorrow. We too are fickle and here today and gone tomorrow, but the word of God endures for others. And so we love others despite the fact that they don't deserve our love. Because neither do we. We don't deserve the love that God has shown for us. In fact, Jesus has demonstrated, He has shown us God's love. And while we didn't deserve His love, He died for us. While we were sinners, Jesus died for us. And so, we love others, not because they deserve it, but we love others because Jesus first loved us. In fact, that's what John says. In his letter, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, he puts it kind of bluntly. He says, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God and yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. And whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have not seen cannot love God whom they have seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother's or sisters. Friends, if we say that we love God and yet we hate our brother or sister, not only are we a liar, but we don't actually love God. Jesus makes us new. And us being made new in Jesus not only changes us as individuals, not only changes our actions and our thoughts, but it also changes how we see and how we relate to other people. We say this all the time, that we need each other because we are better together. We need each other because we are better together. But friends, that does not mean that relationships are easy. They aren't. They are hard. They are messy, but we still need them. It's not good for man to be alone, is what Scripture tells us. And we have seen this in real time during COVID. We have seen that the the damage, the isolation has done on us, and we have seen that virtual connection with other people doesn't replace physical face-to-face connection. We've seen the damage that isolation has done on us as a culture, mentally and spiritually and emotionally. We need each other face-to-face together because we are better together. But friends, sin, sin makes relationships hard. We see this played out in the garden. Their sin, Adam and Eve's sin, not only broke their relationship with God, but it also broke their relationship with each other. 
when, when God came and confronted Adam and Eve in the garden, what, what was Adam's first response? Well, it's that woman that you put here with me. And what did Eve say? She said, well, it was that, that, that serpent. He, he tempted me. They started pointing fingers at each other. And it's easy for us to look at Adam and Eve and say, I can't believe that they would do this. They had the garden. They walked face to face with God. But friends, you and I do the same thing. Sin breaks our relationship not only with God, but it breaks our relationship with each other. But what we do next when we sin matters. Because we will respond to sin. All of us do. The question is, how will we respond to sin? Will we respond to sin with guilt? Or will we, or will we respond to sin with shame? Carl Kuhl says the difference between guilt and shame is the difference between repentance and remorse. Shame results in remorse. Guilt results in repentance. Remorse leads to more shame, and repentance leads to freedom. One is a cycle of self-loathing, and one is a path to healing. Shame is all about who I am. Guilt, though, on the other hand, is all about what I did. You see, guilt says, I didn't treat that person with respect. But on the other hand, shame says, I am a horrible person. Guilt says, I have sinned against God. And shame says, I'll never be who God wants me to be. Shame keeps us stuck. Guilt moves us forward. Shame is about me. Guilt is about others. Shame causes pain, and guilt holds accountable. Friends, we are new in Jesus. This is our new identity. This is who we are. We are not defined by what we have done. We are defined by whose we are. We are defined by God's grace, the gold of his handiwork, mending us back together. We are not perfect. We are far from perfect. But now when we sin, we are moved by guilt to repent of those sins and to find healing. We are mended by God's grace. But when we respond to sin with shame, it moves us away from God and it moves us away from others. Shame moves us to hide in the dark and in isolation. Shame is a defining feeling in someone's life when they are separated from God. Our shame drives us from God, and being away from God makes us feel more shame. It's a dangerous cycle. In her TED Talk on shame, Dr. Uh, Brene Brown said that shame drives two big tapes to play in our minds. The I'm not good enough tape or the who do you think you are tape. 
the I'm not good enough tape, and the who do you think you are tape. She says that shame is uh, correlated with things like addiction, depression, violence, aggression, bullying, suicide, and eating disorders. And friends, we see shame all around us. It's an epidemic in our culture. But guilt, on the other hand, not only draws us near to God, but guilt also draws us near to each other. Because through repentance and confession, we are drawn not only to God, but to each other. And instead of a cycle of self-loathing, guilt leads us to a cycle of healing through repentance. We sin, and then guilt comes either from being corrected by God's word or being held accountable by our brothers and sisters. We feel guilt, and that leads us to repent and healing in both our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. This is why James tells us to confess our sins to one another and to pray for each other. Now friends, this won't be easy. Because when we confess our sins to each other, when we bleed in front of each other, Not only are we fighting those tapes that are playing in our mind, those tapes of, well, I'm not good enough, I don't deserve to be forgiven by God or by other people. We're fighting that tape in our mind that says, if they know this about me, then they're going to reject me and reject who I am. And we're also probably fighting that tape of pride and arrogance that says, well, I'm better than they are, so why do I need to confess my sins to them? Who do they think they are? Friends, close relationships require the risk of getting hurt. In fact, if you want a close relationship with other people, you will get hurt. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Peter says, now that you are being purified by the truth, by obeying the truth of God's Word, so that... You can love each other sincerely with all your heart. But friends, it's hard. It will hurt. It will be messy. But it's worth it. Friends, if we are new in Jesus, then we will love each other sincerely. Here at Journey Church, we say a couple of different things. We say that we grow by studying the Bible together. We also say that we build strong relationships, walking side by side through the messiness of life with prayer and accountability and encouragement. And this is how we live out our walks together. Friends, we love each other because Jesus first loved us. And so we live out our walk together. We walk side by side through this messy thing called life together because we need each other. We are better together. So Peter then gives us some great insight in how we are to live out our walk together. He gives us some great help in how to build these relationships with other people. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Peter says, therefore, remember if there's a therefore, always go back and look what therefore is therefore, right? Because 
We are being purified by obeying the truth of God's word so that we can love one another sincerely. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So here's the wisdom that Peter lays down for us when it comes to our relationships with others, when it comes to us living out our walk together. Here's the wisdom that he says for us. He says, if we are going to love each other sincerely, then we must rid ourselves. We must put off, we must put to death these things. We must rid ourselves of all malice. Now, malice is the desire to cause pain to someone else. Malice is wishing ill will on others. Now, friends, maybe we haven't threatened to do harm to someone else, but how many times have we wished that they would get what's coming to them? How many times have we wished that they would have an accident because they've harmed us? Peter says, rid yourselves of all malice. Not just some malice, but all malice. Okay, Peter, you're not just stepping on some toes here. You're stomping on them because you're stomping on mine. He says, throw off. Rid yourselves of all malice. Rid yourselves of all deceit. Now, deceit is not just lying to someone, but it's the attempt to deceive others. The attempt to deceive others. Paul gives us some great insight by giving us the opposite of what deceit is. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, and I encourage you sometime this week to go and read Ephesians 4, the whole, book, the whole chapter of, of chapter 4 is all about our relationships with each other, But he says in verse 15, so instead of deceit, he says, instead, speaking the truth in love so that we can grow, notice that word again, we'll come back to that, grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. And then in verse 25 of Ephesians 4, Paul says, therefore, each of you must put off, rid, put off falsehood, And speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So Paul says we need to put off falsehood. Peter says that we need to rid ourselves of all deceit and replace that with speaking the truth in love. We must rid ourselves of all malice, of all deceit. And then Peter says, rid yourself of all hypocrisy. The Greek word that Peter used here, the New Testament was written in the Greek language, and we have it translated for us by reliable copies into English, but the Greek word that Peter used here for hypocrisy was also a word that was used to describe an actor, someone who was playing a part. Hypocrisy is someone who appears to be one way but really is the opposite. 
there are a lot of people who use this excuse for not coming to church and not following Jesus. And and friends, let me tell you, if people are looking for an excuse, they're going to find an excuse. But that doesn't give us an excuse to be hypocrites, okay? Peter says, rid yourself of all hypocrisy. This goes back to how we handle sin. Because shame causes us to hide in the dark and isolation. And we become, because of shame, either become frozen with fear that, oh, I'm never good enough, or the opposite, we have pride that puffs us up and thinks, well, I'm not, at least I'm not as bad as they are. Who do they think they are? But when we respond to sin with guilt, this leads us to repentance of our sin. It removes shame. And so we then become free to say that Jesus came to save sinners and I'm the worst one. But the very reason that I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ, might display his immense patience as an example to all those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. You see, shame causes us to separate not only from God, but from each other, where guilt leads us to repentance. And not that we are bragging in our brokenness, but we brag in the grace that God has mended us back with. His grace becomes displayed through our brokenness. Now, we would also say that hypocrisy is somebody who is two-faced or someone who is wearing a mask. I wonder how many times we put on our Sunday morning mask. We smile and we pretend that everything's great. It's fine, I'm fine, everything's fine. When in reality, everything's falling apart. And we look like we have everything together because we're playing the part But Peter tells us here to rid ourselves of all hypocrisy. Now friends, just like when we confess our sins to others, when we take off our mask, when we bleed in front of each other, when we are vulnerable in front of each other, when we open up and we confess our sins to each other, we are also opening ourselves up and risking getting hurt. We are giving our brothers and sisters, the ammunition, the stones to tear us down. And here's the scary part. They may. But it's worth it to find the healing that comes when we stop pretending to be something that we're not. When we rid ourselves of all hypocrisy. Friends, if we are going to love one another sincerely, then we will risk getting hurt. Peter says, rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, and rid yourself of envy. Now, oftentimes we 
I think, mix up jealousy and envy. Maybe we think they're the same thing, but they're not. Jealousy is us wanting what somebody else has. Maybe it's a life that somebody else has. Maybe it's a thing that somebody else has. Maybe it's a relationship that someone else has. It's wanting what others have. But envy, on the other hand, is not just wanting what they have, but it's not wanting them to have it. That's what envy is. And the cure for both envy and jealousy is contentment. And contentment comes from thankfulness. Paul tells us that he learned the secret of being content in every situation. And that's the trust that Jesus is all that he needs. So Peter says here to rid ourselves of all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all slander. Now slander is false and malicious talk about others. Slander is words that tear other people down. And oftentimes, gossip comes along with it. Again, Paul gives us some great insight when it comes to doing away with slander. In Ephesians 4, verse 29, he says, Let no unwholesome talk come from your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Friends, we need to use our words to build each other up and not tear them down. Are you seeing the connection here? Are you seeing how malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander all hinder our relationships with other people, all get in the way of us sincerely loving each other? All of these things break our relationships with others. And because we are new in Jesus, we are going to love each other sincerely. And to do that, we must rid ourselves of all malice, of all deceit, of all hypocrisy, of all slander. We must rid ourselves of all of these things. Friends, these are the basics of the faith. These are some basics of relationships. And Peter tells us here that like newborn babies, we must crave the spiritual milk so that we can grow. And friends, some of us need these basic things. We need the spiritual milk so that we can grow. But friends, some of us need to start growing. Because we should be on from the milk and on to the meat, and we aren't. Friends, we need to move from being fed to learning to feed ourselves. You know, people will leave a church because they say, well, I'm not being fed there. And, and really what they mean is that they never learn to feed themselves. Friends, when we don't rid ourselves of some of these basic things in our relationships, it's going to lead us by shame to think that it's all about me. That's what shame does. And we think, I'm not being fed. I'm not getting what I want. 
Because even though we're adults, we're still infants. And we think it's all about me. And look, this is me too. When I get hurt, I want to respond. I want to lash back with slander and with malice. I want to see harm done to the people who have harmed me. And I need to grow up. I need to feed myself on God's Word. I have tasted the Lord is good, and so I must grow up. Friends, we need to learn to feed ourselves so that we can also help feed others. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He said, I gave you milk and not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? And then the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 5 verse 12 says, In fact, though so, uh, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk and not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by uh, who, by const, uh, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Friends, we don't need to skip the milk. But we need to learn to grow on the meat. And to grow, we need each other. Again, let's go back and look at Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. He says, then we will no longer be, what, what will we will no longer be? Babies, infants, tossed back and forth by the winds and the waves, blown here and there by every wind and teaching and by every cunning and craftiness that people, uh, of people in their deceitful scheming. And friends, we have this deceitful scheming all around us. All we have to do is pull up our phone and we can pull up whatever we want to on YouTube, on Instagram, on TikTok, and find out any type of theology that we want to hear. We can find anybody to say anything that we want so that we can try to form God's word to who we want to be. Like infants, we only want to hear what we want to hear. But Paul says, instead, speak the truth in love and we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body is joined together and held together by every supporting ligament and grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Journey Church, we are meant to grow together. But friends, we can only grow to maturity as the body of Christ when we grow together. Jesus has made us new so that we will sincerely love each other. And that will mean that we will have to bleed together. That, mean, that will mean that we will have to be vulnerable and that we will get hurt. But it's worth it. So, rid yourself 
of all malice, of all deceit, of all hypocrisy, of all envy, all slander, and grow up. Love others not because they deserve it, but because God has first loved you. You have been chosen to be set apart. You have been chosen to be different. You have been chosen to be foreigners and exiles. So let's start living like it. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it convicts us. We thank you that it guides us. We thank you that it feeds us. Father, we thank you that it's not about me. It's not about us. We thank you that you have taken the broken pieces of who we are and you have mended us back together with your grace through your son Jesus. And you've restored not only our our relationship with you, but you also work to restore our relationship with each other. So Father, now that we, have pure, we are purifying ourselves by being obedient to your word, the truth, help us to love each other sincerely. Help us to love each other because you have first loved us. Father, help us to not only take the milk for as long as we need it, but Father, help us to grow beyond the milk and onto the meat. Help us to learn to feed ourselves so that we can also help feed others. Father, we thank you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We Thank you that he is the living water, that he is the bread of life, that he is the door, that he is the gate and the good shepherd. We thank you that he has sacrificed himself to give us your grace. And it's in his precious name that we pray this morning. Amen.